Hey, so as I was uh, preparing yesterday afternoon, uh, you know, we're in the book of Romans. I'm way ahead in the book of Romans in my study and in where I'm preparing, but we've been trying for the last couple of weeks to uh, finish the second half of Romans chapter 6. And uh, last week, God took us a little on a different path. And as I was studying yesterday, I'm plowing through, man, going, all right, and we got some people coming for dinner. And, and then uh, last night, as I was putting kind of the final things together, I usually send it, the message out to some people, and they pray for it and, uh, and know what we're you know, going to be doing and everything. And as I was getting ready to do that, God changed things. And I am always excited when God changes things. I'm super excited to see God move. And so uh, we're doing communion today. And the exciting thing about that is that, you know, sometimes, uh, so it's one of the things we're supposed to be doing in, in, as a, a church. We're uh, two ordinances that I know for sure we're supposed to have, and that is baptism. And as you know, baptism, we've uh, done it. Nick, uh, he, I can't point to him anymore because God brought Nick to get saved. God brought Nick to get baptized. And then God brought Nick to move up to North Carolina last week with his family. And praise God, he brought him through here for all of that. And I can't wait to see what's happening. He's been texting me and God's doing cool things. But, uh, but that's what baptism, that's the way we explained it. When you're standing out in the water, what does that look like, y'all? It looks like a cross, right? And uh, so when we take you under the water, um, it represents Jesus' death and his burial, which had to happen to pay for our sins. And then we don't keep you under. Otherwise, your baptism would be a one-hit wonder. Once I How many of y'all been baptized? <laughs> if Jesus did not rise and we did baptism, you would not be here today. I would have drowned you. And I probably wouldn't be here either. But it represents Jesus' death and his burial. But we bring you back up again because it represents his resurrection. And that resurrected life, that power of the resurrection that we have in us so we can live the life that he's asked us to live. He's empowering us to do it. So that's one of the ordinances that we never. That's why, man, it's so exciting when you all are sharing your faith and we're seeing people come to Christ. It never gets stale because we're always being reminded of the greatest miracle that can ever happen where he takes something that is spiritually dead and he makes it spiritually alive, which is us. And so we see it and we get to celebrate that. But we're also told in Scripture to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to have communion with God. If I was going to have communion with you, that would mean we would hang out together and we would fellowship together. Hey, uh, Austin, you ever have communion with Sophie? No, you don't like hang out and fellowship and talk. That's what communion is. You know, this time, like, we're knowing, so, hey, uh, let's have some communion this week. And, but again, that's what it means. It, it means to commune together, to come together. And, and God wants us to commune with him on a regular basis. He doesn't tell us how often we have to do it. In fact, he doesn't even tell us who we have to do it with. You're like, well, I thought we had to have the elders and the deacons. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Thought we had to have the pastors. Thought we... No, you literally as a believer can have communion every day if you want when you wake up in the morning. You can, uh, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll share that with you in a minute. You can have it in your small groups. And I encourage you to do that. You, you can have it, but it, what, it's, what we are told is as believers, we are supposed to have communion with God. And again, when we have communion, we're going to be celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So as believers, we never forget it. And so um, in that, we'll talk a little bit about it. And we're going to talk about it from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, starting around verse 23 or so. And uh, it's the scriptures we use every time we have communion at Driftwood. It's the outline that we use. How many of you already know the outline? Let me see your hand. If you already know the outline, raise it up high. 
You're like, no, because then you're going to have to come up here and preach it, right? No, I, that's exactly right. That's what you should be able to do because you should be having this. You could daily have to go through this outline in your head. You could go through it, but we are supposed to be having communion. And I, we have it at Driftwood when God puts it on our heart. And last night he put it on my heart that we were going to have it. He did, he did, I didn't know there were going to be west winds and many of my surfers weren't going to be here, right, Abby? I'm thank, thank God, uh, I'm grateful you're here, right? I'm not even going to mention Chuck's name because we have a new, uh, a, a new communion table. You see, it's my new surfboard. And, uh, but uh, uh, the old paddle boards, they got kind of taken away and we've sold those and different people have them now. So, man, part of that, you're supposed to have communion on your paddle boards, right? Uh, that'll be your table. So anyways, we're supposed to have communion with God. Here's the outline that we use. You know, so what was happening with the Corinthian church, they, they were like Vegas, dude. They were like, I don't know. I've never even been to Vegas, so I'm, I'm being unfair. Miami, I've been to Miami. I'm a pretty ungodly place, all right? I'm just saying, think of the most ungodly, giant, carnal city you can think of. Orlando, for now, all that. You know, not like when I was growing up there. And, and, and all of a sudden, the gospel came, and people got saved. And they weren't used to living uh, the way the gospel now was directing their heart to live. Man, it was totally different, and all of a sudden, they're, they're hearing how to, how to live for Christ, and they're motivated to live for Christ, and the filth of the world is disgusting, and they're telling people, we got something better than this, and so they had a lot of issues. That's why Paul wrote two books to him, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. We get a lot of theology out of it, but understand what Paul was doing was correcting their theology in all of these books, saying, hey, y'all know how y'all were doing this? Well, now do it this way. Yeah, you're mixing a little too much world into this. You need to have the Holy Spirit dominate it. And this is what I want you doing. So here's what they were doing for communion. All right. What they were doing is they had a thing called a love feast. Scott love feast. Doesn't that sound awesome, man? And this is mine and yours kind of love feast, bro. All right. You know what they had at the love feast? Food. Yes, dude. Man, they had every kind of food, buffet. You know, I mean, it was a love feast. They came together as fellowship because in reality, when many Christian people became Christians in that society and they realized it wasn't an offspin of, of, of Judaism, it was against the law and there was persecution. Many of them lost their jobs. They lost their families. And the only family they had now was the church. And so many of them were hungry. Many of them were dirt poor now because they didn't have jobs. They didn't have businesses. People would boycott their business because they're a Christian now. And so there were some that still had stuff. There was rich and there was poor. But what God had the church do out of love was they came together. And, and they, would, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. But before that, they would have a love feast. And they would have food. So the people that had food would bring it. And the idea is the people who didn't have food would actually have something to eat. And, and they could share what they had together in, in all of that. But you know how human nature gets when you're not filled with the Spirit, right? When you become carnal, all of a sudden, you know, you're not, you're, you're not into love. You're into just the opposite. You don't think about others. You think about yourself. And so all of a sudden, the rich people who had the food started getting their own tables together. And they would be looking over at the poor people. And they would be like, huh, you know, you all want to scrap? You want to, you want to eat my chicken bone after I've eaten the chicken off? I mean, really, it got super carnal where all of a sudden, man, it was just the rich people were kind of flaunting it in everybody else's face. It wasn't a love feast anymore. And the poor people who were coming were like, you know, look, I'm just going to get closer. There was conflict. And that's what you read about in the first part of or the middle part of chapter 11. I don't think we're going to actually get into that. We're going to go right into the Lord's Supper part. 
But it was a love feast, they called it. And it started out as a love feast, but all of a sudden it, become a, it just became a class thing. It, it became a division among the Christians. And so Paul wrote a letter and said, here, we're doing this different. If you want to eat, since y'all don't know how to eat properly and share with each other, eat at home. <laughs> Go, don't even, don't even have this thing here because you're messing things up and you're disgracing the name of Christ. So here's what the Lord's Supper is for. And that's what he tells them in this passage we're getting ready to go to. He said, the Lord's Supper, the path, he, he said, here's what it's for. Number one, he said, everybody grab your thumbs real quick. Put your thumbs up. He said, it is for us to look in. Okay, or I'm sorry, I messed it up, didn't I mess it up? All right, I did, I did. It's to look, put your thumb up, it's to look back. Okay, my daughter got married, dude. I'm still just not there yet. All right, but it, it's to look back. All right, so everybody do that on the count of three. Not, I have to, everybody stick your thumbs up. It's to look back to what Christ did for you. It's to look forward to being with him again. And then it is for the purpose of you to look in to make sure you represent him so that you can look out and see what he wants to do to others. You ready? You got that? Okay. Katie, you ready? What? Help me out, man. We're going we're gonna to look back. We're going to look forward. We're going to look in, and we're going to look around. And that's what it's about. And that's what he says, man, I want you to make the Lord's Supper, this communion with God. I want you to look, look back to what he did for you. I want you to look forward to being with him. I want you to look in and judge yourself so nobody else has to judge you. And it's all for the purpose so that when you are looking around, you are not thinking about yourself because you're already set, dude. You got a home in heaven. You're already set. Anything you're going through right now is God putting it in your life so that he can get glory out of it because you act like him. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. So he's giving you situations that require faith over and over and over again. And it's all for him to get glory. And when you act like him, you, he gets the glory and you become more like him in that. So he's like, you're already set. I, I've got your life mapped out. Everything coming in is, is, is a man. It's, it's all under my you. You gave me your life, right? How much of your life did you give Christ? Terry, how much of your life did you give Christ? All of it. You don't get to keep any of it. So whatever he wants to do with it, that's what he gets the privilege of doing that. And it's, again, for his glory, and it's for our good. And the good is that when we act like him, we become like him. Man, Kurt, Kurt acts like God. Who gets the glory? <laughs> if Kurt acts like God, Kurt, tell me. I mean, do you always act like God? Hey, does Kurt always act like God, y'all? No, no. Okay, Paul, thank you. You live miles away from him now, so you can say that. But And you have your mom in between you two, right? But... But the point is, is that if Kurt acts like God, God gets the glory, right? And the more we become like God, the more we do that. But God gets the glory because how many of you know you do not act like God? <laughs> yes. How many of you do not act like God at least once a day? How many more than once a day? Oh, my goodness. Lord, please help us. No, but that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So that's why it's so important that, man, we look back, we look forward so that we can get all that straight. We look in to get it straight so that when we look around, we're actually showing people who God is. We care about them. People don't care how much you know. They know how much you care. And, we, and, and, and that's the difference, man. When we love God, he causes us to love who? Others. 
But we come into this world and we can get sucked back into this world loving only ourselves. That's why we do communion as often as we can. So every morning when you wake up, I'm not trying to be legalistic or anything, but can you wake up first thing in the morning? You still got eye boogers, man. You still got morning breath. You're like, can you like look back to what Christ did for you before you ever even step out of bed? Yeah. Can you look forward to being with him? Well, let me fix my hair first, God, before you come back. But can you look forward to being with him? And then can you look in and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me? Just show me. How can I represent you better? What am I doing that's not representing you? And then God, lead me to people today that need you. I'm already in the right family. I've been born again out of the family of Adam. I'm in the right family, God. Show me people who need to be born again and let me be a mouthpiece. Let me be a witness. Not just with my mouth, but whatever situations you put me in, let me be a witness by my faith that you have given me to show them that I totally trust you. And when they realize they need somebody to trust, they can trust you also. Amen? So that's what Paul says. This is what communion is about. It's not about you rich people and poor people fighting, trying to get a meal. It's not even about a party. It's about you making sure your testimony is right with me in this. So let's take a look at this. And again, it, we're going to look, get, get ready again, because I know some of you are already falling asleep, your hands up. All right, here we go. We're going to look. Dave Delgado, what are we going to do, man? We're going to look back to what he's done for us. We're going to look forward to being with him in heaven, with him returning. Then we're going to look in so we can look out. All right? So y'all remember that, all right? And how many of y'all can do that? Pittsburgh Rob, I know you're, you're a caveman, all right? You're, you're Chung, dude. Chung, can Chung, you got it, right? You got it? Look back, look forward, look in, look around. Remember that. We can remember that anytime. When you're on your plane back to Pittsburgh, whenever that is, man, dude, and, and you got these people crowding you. Oh, that's Terry getting crowded on the plane, right? Dude, just start looking back, looking forward, looking in and looking around. And yeah, it just changes everything when now you realize why you've got those people crowding you that don't smell the John Candy taking his sock off in the middle of the flight, you know? You remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> Play trains and automobiles? All right, but so we look back, we look forward, we look in, and we look around, all right? So let's take a look at what Scripture says in this. First, we are supposed to look back to what Jesus has done for us. All right, we're going to read this and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 25, a couple verses. He says, Paul says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Now, some people say, well, he received it from the Lord himself from the apostles, and maybe he did, but he's just kind of the way I look at it. I'm just kind of looking at scripture and seeing what he wrote. He said, I got this from God. That's the main thing he's saying is whether he got it from somebody else or whatever, but it's straight from God. This is what God wants in the Lord's Supper. Not what you guys have been doing, but this is what God wants. And so he comes to him, he said, I'm going to pass on to you. And in fact, it's even interesting in the Greek when he says pass it on. He's been passing this information on to them a bunch of times. He's not just, how many of y'all have ever had to repeat something to your kids? Okay, y'all aren't playing. How many of y'all have to repeat something to your husband? <laughs> You weren't listening. Well, that's a funny way to start a conversation. No, but it's like, but yeah, he's like, in other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to pass this on to you again and again, and I'm writing this in official letter. I'm passing it on to you. What I received from the Lord, I want you to get this right. They heard him before, but they didn't want to do it. He's like, I'm passing on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Guys, you gave your life to the Lord, right? He owns your life. 
So you're supposed to have it, if you really did that, you have a desire to do what he wants you to do. That's what happens when you get born again. You have a, a love for his word and a love for obeying it. You don't just have some little hell insurance card and you go on living life. That's the Matthew 7 folks who when they get, they get called, they get put in the wrong line and, and they're like, whoa, wait, Jesus, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do great miracles in your name? He's like, yeah, but you and I never knew each other, never had an intimate relationship. Be gone, workers of lawlessness. One of the saddest parts of the Bible, and that's the church, my friends. Those are the people in the church who thought they were saved, doing mighty works, casting out demons, prophesying in his name. But man, if he's changed you, he's changed you. If you've given your life to him, you're born again, you're a new, you're a new creation in Christ. You have a desire for his word, a desire to obey his word. So, man, I'm passing on to you what I received from the Lord himself. He said, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, interesting he brings it up that way, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, um, man, there's a lot of ways he could describe it. On the night when Jesus changed the Passover meal to the Lord's Supper, <laughs> that, I mean, it seems more appropriate, but he starts with on the night when he was betrayed. Man, any of y'all ever been betrayed? I'm not trying to bring up bad memories here. <laughs> you ever been betrayed? How does that make you feel? How many of y'all acted wrongly when you were betrayed? How many of y'all thought when you were betrayed, no holds barred, I can do whatever I want to do? Tim, you ever been there? All right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, man, that's how sometimes when we're betrayed, we feel like, oh, you did not. <laughs> you have not met this person. Now Now that you have betrayed me, buddy, oh, forget all this Christian stuff I got. Forget all, yeah, I watch Christians. And you know, sometimes I even see that Christian in the mirror. <laughs> And, and, and so on the night when you're betrayed, isn't it interesting how he brings that up that way right off the bat? I mean, what is there worse than being betrayed in that? But yet Christ did not quit. How many of y'all would have quit? You got betrayed. You'd be like, oh, they hurt my feelings. They didn't use the right pronoun. I'm leaving. No, I'm, uh, sorry about bringing the pronoun thing up. But I'm just saying, how many of y'all, if you got betrayed, how many of y'all would walk off and quit? Especially if you knew you had a hard job coming ahead of you. Stephen, thank you. Hey, y'all look at Stephen. See how Stephen's raising his hand? You guys tired today? It's not that hot, man. And yeah, there you go, Stephen. Did you have a question? Or are you just raising your hand? Thank you. Good. You guys are hard to get going this morning here. But anyways, so I received from the Lord on the night when he was betrayed. It's interesting. He brings that night up. It's one of the worst things that could happen to anybody. But on the night when he betrayed, he never forgot his purpose of why he came. He came to save me. Who did he come to save? What? I didn't hear you. Yeah. He came to save me on the night he was betrayed. And, and, and he didn't quit. And there was more to it. Again, you know, he was illegally arrested. He, uh, uh, in the middle of the night, you know, he got beat beyond recognition is how Isaiah describes it and everything. Uh, I mean, you, you could go on and on. He got stripped naked in front of a bunch of Roman soldiers and, and spit on and blindfolded. How many of y'all get stripped naked in front of a bunch of nasty people that are going to make fun? How many of y'all would quit if you got stripped naked? How many of you got stripped naked and you got tied to a pole in the, in the town square? We say, okay, angels, come on down. I'm done. He could have quit so many times. 
for so many things, but he didn't. You look back at what he did for you. We're just looking back at that physical night, and if you even go back and you even just study and see what he did, he got beat beyond recognition, man. Cat of nine tails. We talk about this a lot. Nine tails, and on that nine tails of leather, there was, there was metal, there was glass, there was bone, and the guy who did it, that was his professional job. So you think he was pretty good at it? And so when he had hit somebody, bam, and there would be nine things stuck in somebody's back. And then literally he would rip them down before he would pull them out. He took that for us. How many lashes did he get? 39 times 9. Y'all mathematicians do that. There's nothing holding stuff together back there. That's physically what he did. But man, look what he did on the cross for us. He was crucified, and most people, you know, kind of have the idea he was up on a big, giant, you know, pedestal crucifixion. You looked up, well, the way the Romans generally crucified people was they made it so that when you walked by, that crucified person was at eye level. Can you imagine looking into the face of somebody who is eye level, who has been beaten beyond recognition, who is dying of starvation or dying of, of, uh, of suffocation? And dehydration, because as, as he's falling down, man, his diaphragm is squeezing his lungs like an anaconda. And with his arms that have been nailed, he's got to rip himself to pull himself up just to get a breath, only to hold him and go back down again. And we're just talking about the physical stuff that he went. How many of y'all would have quit so far? Can I see anybody's? Man, you guys are tough. Some of y'all are raising your hand now. All right, I, I would have quit by now, Yeah. <laughs> Because God's looking down at you saying, oh, yeah, wait till I see. Hey, Gladys, wait till you see what happens at work tomorrow, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, we would have quit just from the physical aspect of it. Thinking this is the God of glory. He came down from the riches of heaven and put on the rags of humanity. You guys think that's, well, going from God to man. Look at me. That's not a big deal, right? No, it's a bigger deal than, than going from you to a cockroach. <laughs> it's a bigger deal. Yeah, there's a big, greater span between God and man than there is man and a cockroach in that. I'm just saying he came down and made himself a human being. That's going to be significant in a minute when we look at the body. But now look at what he did on the cross. So he's on the cross. And, and, and scripture tells us that somewhere around of noon, when it's supposed to be bright and it's sunshiny, what happened, y'all? What happened? Darkness, boom. Everybody's making fun of him. Ha, look at you, man. Look at you. Yeah, go ahead. You're supposed to be God. You're supposed to save us. Even the guys on the cross are like, you know, the one guy's like, yeah, save, your, save us, save yourself, whatever. Making fun of him. And then all of a sudden at noon, it goes dark. What's the word you think you heard going across the crowd that begins with uh and ends with O? Uh-oh. Dude, it's pitch dark. And then you hear him cry out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, not Father, not Abba, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because it was at that point, Scripture says that God took every one of our sins. He took my sin, my past sin, my present sin, my future sin. If that would not have been enough, he took yours too. Bob Weinberg, who could handle having your sins, past, present, and future, placed on them? Anyone? No. And you want to take his sins? 
You can't even take your own. How about y'all, man? I know you guys. We're family now, dude. I'm just saying. Can, can, you, can you imagine the sins that he took of the whole world, past, present, and future, took them on himself? I don't know how it happened. It's something beyond my finite mind being able to comprehend, but he took every one of our sins. When he took those sins, first of all, he had never sinned. It is the grossest thing in the world to have your sins on him and my sins on him. It was a horrendous thing to have that there. But not only did he take them on there, but what he did is he took the punishment for your sin. How many of y'all ever, Ben, you ever been punished for your sin? Yeah, more than once? You paid the price for your sin? Yeah, punishment. Man, Christ, that was just the, car, the, the worldly punishment. The carnal punishment is you deserve to die. The carnal punishment is the wrath of God. The full wrath of God. In the, in the end of the book of Revelation, and we've got the, the seven seals, uh, and uh, in the seventh seal is all of the rest. You've got the, the, six, the seven bowls, and in the seventh bowl, there's a, or trum, trumpets, there's the bowl judgments that come. And at the end of the bowl, the bowl judgments at the final ones that go bam, 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 bam. And it's where Christ destroys the world, and those bowls are full of God's wrath. You want a bowl of God's wrath poured on your head? No, seriously, think about this. God's wrath, he's pouring it on this world, and it's being destroyed instantly when you read Revelation in there. Nobody can handle God's wrath, including you and me. But without Christ, you will handle God's wrath, and you will be in hell forever, and that's not what God's intended. He made every way for you to escape his wrath. You know, when we say, oh, you need to get saved, we say that to, you ever told somebody, you, you ever pray, God, save him, save him. What, who are we asking God to save him from? Who are we asking God to save people from? Himself. Because God's the one with the wrath. We, we, have, we, were asked, we needed to be saved, to be saved from God's wrath because none of us could handle the wrath of God on us. That's why this love is so phenomenal that he took his own wrath. <laughs> Christ took on the wrath of God for every one of our sins. Look around you. I know your sin's not too bad. Everybody, Kurt, look around you. I know your sin, that was no big deal. But look at, dude, your wife. Oh my God, Ben. All right, we're going to go to Ben. Look at Ben. Look around you guys. How bad were the sins of the people that you know here? If nowhere else, look here. <laughs> I'm just saying. But it's everybody's. He took the wrath. He took the punishment so that you didn't have to. And what New Testament teaches us, we've learned in the book of Romans, we saw it in Ephesians, you see it, you see it all over, where Christ lived a righteous life. How many of y'all have blown a righteous life? Perfect life, right? Thank you, Terry, for raising your hand up. All right, good. It's going to keep you awake as we get through here, all right? So, man, he took his righteous life and he gave it to us. And he took our unrighteous life, which deserved God's wrath, and gave it to Christ. Christ took our unrighteousness. That's why it's important that Christ lived a perfect life and he never sinned on this planet. Because he not only paid for our sins on the cross and took the wrath, but he lived a righteous life so he could actually give that to us. In God's eyes right now, Tim, you're perfect in his eyes. Yeah, it's hard to believe this guy. That's why he says you got to believe it by faith. Because boy, you look in the mirror and you look at your actions, it sure isn't there. But he gave you that righteous life. 
for salvation and he took your unrighteous life. You want to look back at what he did for you? That's something none of us could do for any of us. You can't do it for your kids as much as you would like to. We couldn't do it. So, man, we think back of what he did for us, and he wants to do that for others. What a phenomenal thing. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, that's where it started. The Lord Jesus, he took some bread. JJ, it's not moving. Uh, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, that always giving thanks to God. Hey, if you're grateful, everything's what? Great. If you're grateful, everything's great. Uh, isn't that true? You know, how many of y'all have had some ungrateful moments there? Terry raised his hand. Yeah, but he was drinking right now. Yes, I had to, uh, when you're ungrateful, everything stinks, right? But when you're grateful, everything's great. So, man, Christ led the, the charge in showing us this. He gave thanks to God for what was getting ready to happen. He broke it in pieces, the bread, and he said, this is my body. Now, there are some denominations believe in the doctrine of transubstantiation, that it actually turns into the body, and some believe that it represents the body. We believe that these uh, oyster crackers that I do have up here represent his body. If you believe they actually are, then that's your belief, and that's the faith God has given you. But, but, but I believe it's a representation. It's supposed to remind us of what he did. First, that he took on that human body, right? And then he lived a perfect life with that human body, in spite of being betrayed and being spit on. And, and even all, hey, how many of y'all ever got wrath from your brothers and sisters? Anybody ever got wrath from your brother and sister? Yeah. Hey, can you imagine? Now, it would be hard for you, because you were the perfect child, right? Can you imagine, as a, you can identify, as the perfect child in the family, how hard was it to be the perfect child? Did they ever pick on you and try to get you to do wrong stuff? Did they ever try to get you in their stuff and all that? Yeah. Think about Jesus being the perfect child growing up in his family. He literally was. You think, how many of y'all would have tempted and tried to get your brother to mess up if they were perfect? Come on, I see your face. Yeah, Andy's like, oh, heck yeah. He's thinking of ways to do it right now. Yeah. But from birth on, he was perfect so he could give us that perfect life. He gave us his righteousness, his body. For he came as a human being from God. And how long is Christ going to keep that human body? Forever. In Scripture, there's all the indication in the world that once he got that body at incarnation, that, that he's going to have it all the way through eternity. So we're reminded that it's from that body. That he did what he did so we could be where we're at, when we're in heaven. So he broke it in peace and said, this is my body, which is given for who? What's it say? Given for who? Yeah, for you, for me. <laughs> Do this in remembrance of me. So that's what he's saying in the Lord's Supper. Do it in remember. If you're remembering, which way are you looking? Back. Yeah. Do this in remembrance. Look back to what I did for you. Again, I'm just throwing at you what the Holy Spirit's been giving me this morning as we're talking through this. Anybody else have anything else about what he did for you? <laughs> Anybody? Uh, Julia, I see smoke coming out of your ears, man. You got well, What did he do for you? What, do you what, what, what is there? What sticks out to you? Okay. All right, so cool. He died. He didn't give up on you. Yeah. You ever give up on you? He didn't give up on you, and <laughs> he's never going to give up. Who else? Come on, help me out. What did he do for you? Don't let me start calling on people, Scott. What did he do for you, man? <laughs> it's like, what did he do? Oh, 
that's it. The punishment. We and, and, and Scott, there are some of us in life. I'm not saying you're one, but you probably could be a good candidate. How many of y'all, the more you try to stay out of trouble, the more trouble you get into and the more punishment you suffer? Yes, that's me. He, he took that punishment. That means the world to me. Jimmy Garland, what? What did he do? He gave you eternal life in heaven with him. An all-expense-paid trip to paradise forever. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, eternal life. Yeah, pretty cool. Bill Cup, Cup, Mr. Cup, what are you doing for you, bro? Oh, and your wife is a shaking her head agreeing with that. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. And all the time, we can always be grateful because even if what's going on right now does not seem like it's something to be grateful for, it is leading. It's giving us the opportunity to have faith and to please him and to become more like him and him get glory. Ben, what do you do for you? Woo, yes. Amen. Yeah, that's a great one. Bye, being real. Steven, what do you do for you? And I'm picking on all guys right now. I'll just go to Lori after you. So Lori, start thinking. Ben, uh, what do you do, Steven? You need a minute? Lori! <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, this, this shirt, all this black represents sin that I couldn't cover. I couldn't get rid of. But the red represents his blood, the only thing that could cover my sins and take them away. And when I have the red, when he gave me the desire to give my life to him, the change in the desires. And when I did that, now I have a home in heaven. That is great. Do you understand this is not your home? Man, that be absent from the body's present with the Lord. There's nobody going to heaven and wishing they could come back here. Man, our home is heaven. It's going to be perfect for eternity. Green represents all the things he gives us in life right now are as opportunities to grow more in love with him. Because as we grow in love with him, who does he cause us to grow in love with? Everyone else. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, Andrea, I you over there? Yeah, you're like, pick on me, call me. I am an introvert. Call on me. <laughs> Along with Barb Cooper, an introvert. I'm giving her. I'm giving her a few moments to think about it right now. Bill, give her notes. Give her notes. Hey, well, Andrea, what do you do? He gave you ways to learn about him. Yeah, wouldn't that? Wouldn't it be horrible if all of a sudden you worship him and figure it out yourself? <laughs> no. And, and as we learn about him, we fall more in love with him. That's why our theology needs to be God-centered, not man-centered. It's who figuring out who he is. And the bigger and more awesome we find out he is, we don't really care what he brings in our life. Cool, I can't wait to see how you're going to work this one out. As opposed to, oh, dear God, fix this, fix it. No, he's awesome. And he shows us that. Barb Cooper, man, what did your husband tell you to say? No, I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you. I thought you'd get notes from him. Or, or, or no, Barb will... In about two hours, Barb will post a meme that will be the answer to mine. She has the greatest memes. If you're not a Facebook friend of hers, get to be a Facebook. I can just read them, and I don't even have to look at who they're from. I can know, oh, that's a Barb Cooper meme. Barb, what did he do? What, what did he do? What, look, looking back, what did he do for you? You can't get some Barb. Oh, he brought me the man, the man of my dreams, Bill Cooper. And I, we've been able to spend our life. I, I'm just saying you could go there, but you. Oh, you're saying you don't want to lie in church? What? No. I'm just messing with you now. What's that? Amen. Yeah, save you from yourself. Yeah, we're all there. 
So again, oh, Pittsburgh Rob. Amen. And not only the knowledge, but the desire and ability to be able to do right from wrong. Amen. That's awesome. That ain't always easy, is it? No. So again, I want you to be thinking in a moment, we're going to have everybody kind of, you know, line up over. Uh, actually, I'll make a little pathway right here. All right. There's the pathway. And you come through here and be careful not to trip on that cord right there. But come up and grab some of the juice, some of the bread, and then go back to your seat. And as you're doing it, I want you to be think, looking back. Thinking in your head, asking the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, you reveal to me what Christ did for me. Help me look back to see what he's done. Because he may bring something up that's totally different than what is your standard answer. He may remind you of something from childhood, something from teenage, something. He may remind you, but let the Holy Spirit say, God, show me what it is that Christ did for me. Because I guarantee you, when you see, Carissa, when you see something that God did for you, are you going to be grateful? And when you're grateful, everything's great, right? So he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in peace, said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance for me. So... Oh, there we go. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink. It's a new covenant. So the first covenant we see God really kind of making with anybody, he makes it with Abraham, all right? That's pretty apropos for today. He made a covenant with Abraham, and this covenant is unconditional that he made with Abraham. Found Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, and he said, Abraham... He said, I'm going to make your name great, Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're an old man, and you don't have any kids, but I'm going to make you a great nation. He said, I'm going to bless the entire world through you, Abraham. And on top of that, what I'm going to do is he said, uh, all those that bless you, I will bless them. And all those that curse you, I will curse them. That's what he said. No condition. In fact, you can go back to Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, and look it all up. And in fact, we talked about it last week, that when he made that covenant with Abraham later on, Abraham said, are you still on, God? And God said, all right, go get animals. Let's sacrifice them. Let's put them, let's put them in, a, in a path. We'll split them. And then what they did was people who made the covenant with each other would walk through. But at the time, after he split those animals, Abraham started to fall asleep and he woke up watching God as a lamp walk through. And God was saying, I'm making this covenant. You got nothing to do with it, pal. This is you. And that's why we know that God's not done with the Jews and God, his name is on Jerusalem. And if you want to be on the winning team, you know, what? it's not my business if, if, if Israel is not living for God right now anymore. You know, uh, that, that's between him and them. But the fact is, he's not done. And you want to pick a side, you pick the right side again, and you pray for everybody being affected. Because as we talked about last week, the rich create wars and the poor fight them. And that's just the way it's always been in all of this. But you pray, nothing's happening in this world ever that God is not fully in charge of. And anyone who wants to can come to him and get closer to him in everything that's going on. But God made a covenant with Abraham, unconditional. This is what I'm doing for you. I'm going to bless those that bless those and curse, uh, curse those that curse you. So you choose which side you want to be on, folks. Then he went and made a Mosaic covenant. And in the Mosaic covenant, what he said was, okay, so I'm bringing you out of Egypt, out of slavery. That's equivalent to you when Ben just said, hey, my desires got changed. 
God brought you out of slavery to your sin, which is what we're supposed to be talking about in Romans 6, actually. But he brought you out of slavery and taking you to the promised land. Promised land is equivalent. I don't care what any gospel quartet song sing or will say. The promised land is equivalent to you living your abundant life, a spirit-filled life. And so in this, if you have the choice between doing it God's way or doing it your way, or someone else's way, that's going to be the difference of whether you enjoy the spirit-filled life or not. You are saved. That covenant is there. He brought you out of Egypt, but now you have a choice whether you're going to live for him or not. And if you don't live for him, you will suffer the consequences. You will live a life with the manifestation of the flesh. But if you follow him, you will have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness. That's, that's it. That's a conditional covenant. Our salvation is not conditional but our sanctification is. <laughs> and at the end, we're going to become more like Christ. But for Israel, when he made the Mosaic Covenant, he took them out and he said, now, here's the deal I'm making with you as I take you through the, you know, it wasn't even planned to take them through the wilderness. That was on them. But as you go into the promised land, here's a conditional covenant. I'm going to create a system that is so foreign to all other cultures that you, if you follow me, you will not be able to fit into any other culture. Doesn't that sound like ours? <laughs> in our in our abundant life you walk in the spirit you don't fit in the world's culture world system is set up by satan and your flesh loves it that's why we crucify the flesh but in that he said i'm gonna set up this system and if you live by my ways dude i'm gonna bless your socks off that's why i don't wear shoes y'all bob i see he has blessed your socks off and ben he's blessed your socks off you gotta work on kurt because i think he's got socks and shoes and who knows what else but i'm just saying Oh, there's freedom in this. But, but he said, I'm going to bless your socks off. But he also says, if you go act like them, I'm going to treat you like them. It's conditional. You go act like them, I'm going to treat you like them. And sure enough, that's what happened. As they moved in and didn't conquer the promised land the way they were supposed to, as they gave in and worshipped other gods and all that. Aren't you glad we don't do that? I'm being facetious. I'm telling you, whether you enjoy your abundant life or not is up to you. That is conditional. And he's given you a Holy Spirit inside to give you everything you need to do what he's asked you to do and enjoy that abundant life. We'll be learning after we get through chapter 6 and we get into chapter 7 of Romans. We'll be learning that. But that was a conditional thing. He said, and in fact, you do what they do. I'm going to destroy you just like them. But to King David, he made a covenant to him. And he said... I am going to, you're going to have offspring, which is Jesus Christ, and I am going to give him a kingdom that will never end. I'm giving you and your offspring a kingdom that will never end. And so the Davidic covenant is unconditional from you, and there's going to be, and Israel is in that. So you see all these covenants, and again, so there's the covenant, and then when Christ came, Christ made a new covenant where Christ, because of his blood, it covers, that's why we have the red. It covers our sins. It takes our sin away. How long does it do that for, Sean? Forever. Exactly. It's not intermittent life. As, as, as someone back there said, it's eternal life. He took our sins away. He made a covenant with his blood. God the Father said, Christ, who is God, will be perfect. And when he when he dies on a cross as a sinner and has no sin to pay for himself, his perfect life will cover the imperfect people, which is us. And 
So when God looks down on you today, Gabriel Caitlin, when he looks down on you, you ever look in the mirror and like, oh, no. You ever like look inside and go, oh. But you know God doesn't. When he looks down on you, you know what he sees first? He sees the blood of Christ. And he's satisfied by the blood of Christ. There's nothing that makes him happier than what Christ did on the cross. In fact, in Ephesians, he tells us because of what Christ did, that he is exalted beyond everyone else. Every knee will bow in his name. Amen. Every, it's, it, he's, he accepts it. He's happy about it. So when he looks down at you and he sees the blood of Christ, is he happy or sad? He's happy. He's like, woohoo, these are mine. And you know what? He can see in the future and he knows one day you will be like Christ. But right now, in your little promised land, he's wanting your obedience so you can enjoy that as you walk in his spirit. Man, have you ever seen your sister do something really stupid? Both y'all said, you hear them both? They're like, yeah, they didn't. I kind of cross-eyed look at them so they didn't know who I was talking to. But yeah, how many of y'all ever seen somebody you love do something really stupid? It doesn't have to be, you don't have to elbow them if they're next to them, right? But, and, and what do you feel like when someone you love does something stupid? What does that make you feel like? Are you like happy for them? Woohoo, good, I'm better than them now. No. Dan, what does it make you feel like when somebody you love does something stupid? Yeah, it, it hurts. It's kind of like, God, I want something so much better for them. What if you had given them everything they need to not do something stupid? And they just don't listen to you. Oh, that, there's a parent right there. I'm just saying. And, and, and they don't listen and they think they know everything. And they go ahead and do it and they suffer the consequences anyways. Do you cease to love them? No, you love them. And God loves us perfect. But it's like, don't do something stupid. I want you to be like me. It's the best. That's the way it's going to be in heaven. But when he looks at you, man, because of the new covenant he made in his blood, Oh, I told, who's in our Wednesday night Bible? I told y'all we were studying with Moses. And uh, when he ratified the treaty, he had a half a bucket of blood, Scott. And he said, will you guys, oh, Fernando, yeah, will you guys obey everything in the law? And they're like, yes, we will obey. He took the blood and started throwing it on the people. I was thinking, how cool would that be at Driftwood? Would it be, Kurt, you're, some of y'all are like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. But that's what they did. You got the blood of Christ on you if you're saved. When he looks at, if everybody had blood splattered all over them, first of all, we would certainly be a witness at lunch, right? We'd have something to talk about. But, but then all we look and we see the blood and it's like, yes, you're my brother, you're my sister. Yes, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Yes, God loves us perfectly. All of that. So just imagine that. But I'm just telling you. On your worst day as well as your best day, he loves you unconditionally because of this new covenant. Is that not something to look back and rejoice over as we look back in the Lord's Supper? Some of you are going, it's 1057 and we've only looked back. <laughs> How many of y'all are thinking that? Come on, be honest, be honest, be honest, besides Terry. You bunch of liars, man. At least Terry's honest sometimes. He didn't raise his hand this time, but. That, so we look back. All right, so everybody help me out. What's the first way we look? We look back. How many of y'all got something, something you can look back and be grateful for, for what he did for you? Now, look at this next part here. I even said, I told God, I told him. When he told me to do this, I said, I said God, I am not going to spend all my time on this first one. How many of y'all ever tell God stuff like that? And then you surrender to the Holy Spirit, and this is what he does. This is what he does. I'm just no. But literally, man, I hope that's an encouragement to you. 
of all of what we heard of what he's done. And watch, you'll go get your little Lord's Supper cup and you'll be like, God, speak to me and show me what Christ did for me and he'll show you something even will blow you away even anymore. And he can do that every day. So we look back, but now we look forward to his return. Look at this part here. JJ, I'm not even going to hold this anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point it at you and there we go. Okay, so... He said, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, every time you do it, you are announcing the Lord's death until what? Yeah. So if you believe, he, if you're doing the Lord's Supper, you believe he's coming again. You know, now the wedding's over. He can come, right? It's all cool now. No. <laughs> they did say last week it would have been cool if he came before the wedding, right? But, but again... Man, how many of y'all are looking forward to his return? I love you guys. I love the opportunity God gives me every single day, every divine encounter I have. But I don't love any of you and any of that more than I love him. And when I'm going to be with him forever and nothing's going to get in the way, especially me. Right, Barb Cooper? He saved me from me. Man, one day I'm going to be able to see him in all of his glory that would melt us like a nuke right now. I'm going to be able to experience that. And I'm going to be with him forever and nothing's ever going to change all of that. I'm looking forward to that. Are you? If not, if you're like, no, I really kind of want to go get my cat scan tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Carol, because I'm going to be praying for you on that. God wants to get glory out of this. Because he wants to make you like him, man. Don't worry about any of this. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell him what you'd like to see happen. And with thankfulness, make your request be known to him. And he said, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will protect, guard, and preserve your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? How many of y'all pray for that for Carol Lee tomorrow? Carol Lee, you're not raising your hand. I want you to pray for it. It was your hand. I want you to pray for that for you. But all of us. Yeah, but think about this. I, I say this a lot. I'm going to go through this super quick. Well, I'm going to go through as quick as the Holy Spirit will let me. But think about this. This is what it, this is what's next for us. What's next for us. You mid-tribbers just understand you guys are going to be around for half the tribulation. But I'm pre-trib. So the next thing that's going to happen is we're getting sucked up to heaven. Is that not cool? We're going to fly Would that. Brad, would that not be cool to fly? You, you'll be there like, Julie, look at your hair while you're flying. She's got the coolest hair in the world. Yours is gelled. Yours ain't going to do nothing, man. But hers is like, woo. She's going to have cool flying hair, man. But I'm just saying, can you and Matt, Ben, I don't know, you might, you're just going to be streamlined, my brother. You and Kurt, dude, y'all are just going to rip through. You're going to get there first. But, man, we're going to go to heaven. Then we, he's the groom. What are we? The bride, does the groom love the bride? Oh my goodness, still, out of everything that happened this weekend that was so awesome, the most awesome sight in my mind, whenever I close my eyes and think about it, I remember I had some people, my, my sister-in-law and them in the boat, and we, they, oh, let's show them where Ashley and JJ live. We go all the way down by there, and I see a bunch of people. That's the wedding party, and I'm looking to see if anybody was identifiable. And all I saw, I saw a bunch of dots for heads, but I saw Skylar's face. It was glowing with Shekinah glory and a smile this big. Literally, his face was lit up on fire, and there was Emily's next to him, and it was just like, praise God. 
this guy wants to spend the rest of his life with my daughter. And that's what I'm looking for, man. And I just saw, boom, his face. It was beautiful. He loved his bride. He loves her now. And it's a beautiful thing when a groom loves his bride. And no one can love their bride any more than Jesus Christ. Y'all understand that? He is our groom. He is love. He's the definition of love. And he's perfect. He can love you now more than Gary even can love you. And that's hard to believe, man. Your face hasn't moved an inch since I... You're supposed to get... You're supposed to say, Oh, really? More than what? Gary loves me? Oh, I can't imagine. Right? Next time I give you that opportunity, it would just make Gary feel good. All right? I'm just saying. <laughs> but literally, think about this. He's our groom. We're the bride. Oh, my God. I got to tell you. Okay. This is my only wedding story, and I know I probably don't have time, but I got to tell you the story. All right. So I'm down there, it's the day of the wedding, I'm down there with a bunch of guys, you know, and I'm, I'm ready to go, and all of a sudden, Matt or somebody gets a phone call, and, and they start, come on, you got to go, and, and we're going up to the, evidently the room where the reception area, I've never been there before, I've never even been in the little restaurant, and, and Matt, these two guys, Matt and one of your boys, they just had long legs, it might have been, uh, your, your, I don't know, one of your sons, and they're going, and I'm trying with my little fire plug body, that's 61, I'm trying to follow them. And I don't know where we're going. And I'm going. And we go up the stairs. And, 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 and we get up the stairs. And we're standing. I'm like, well, what are we doing? And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to shut up because I get in trouble every time I open my mouth this way. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to wait and see what My wife opens the door. And she looks and says, take off your glasses and turn around. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> Time out. I don't understand these rules, all right? In my head, that's what But she understood fully, and so did everybody else in the room. And, and so, took off your glasses, turn around. It's the reveal. And I'm like, now you've told me three things I don't understand, because I have no idea what the heck a reveal is. All right. Woo, this is me. I'm revealing my... No, that's not it. I did not know that dad's supposed to go and see his daughter in her dress for the very first... I don't know those things. It was totally, take off your glasses, turn around, it's the reveal. And I'm like, I froze. <laughs> but so, so as a good husband, I obeyed. <laughs> I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I need my glasses to see, and I don't have eyes in the back of my head. So the first two instructions make no sense at all, all right? And, and then, but I will tell you, when I did turn around, I was like, <laughs> she was beautiful. I, she was so beautiful. And it was like, wow, this is awesome. I can't even imagine the reveal when we see Christ face to face. Can you imagine, guys? Can you imagine how beautiful? That's our future, dude. Scott, you know why you got a new job? So you can tell new people about this future. That's why he took you out of the last one and put you in this. Any of you in transition, man, every single moment, every day is a divine encounter because we already know we're going to be there at the reveal. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. There's so many that aren't. And we invite them to the wedding. He gave us carte blanche to invite everybody to the wedding. Amen? And we invite them. Now, they have to agree. And when they do 
agree to go to the wedding, they're playing by God's rules. They can't just bring their own rules. And many people say, no, I'd rather miss the wedding because I want to do what I want to do. And that's not on you. That's not on them. It should bring tears to our eyes because we love them and we know what they're going to be missing because our life's not wrapped up in this world anymore. Amen? That's what's supposed to happen. And our hearts are broken. Psalm says, you sow in tears, you reap in joy. We need to cry for the lost souls. We need to look back to what Christ has done for us. We need to look forward to how awesome it's going to be to be with him one day, man. That's going to be, that's the reveal of all reveals right there. And we're supposed to, when we do the Lord's Supper, he said, every time we celebrate, we're announcing the fact that he died for my sins, but he's coming again. Y'all believe he's coming again? <laughs> he's coming again. Now, we get to the next part of Lord's Supper. He says, so help me out, guys. We're going to look which way? Oh, I didn't trick you. Remember now Simon Says does that? Like, all right, Simon Says. No. All right, we're going to look which way? Back to what he did for us. We're going to look to, what, to being with him. Next, he wants us now to look in. Since we've got all this straight, we look back and see what he's done for us. We look forward to being with him, with the reveal. I do know what a reveal is. The only problem now, I don't have any more daughters to marry. I would be good on the next one. You were 10, 10 years prior, so my memory didn't take that. But man, looking back, looking forward, he says, now, now that you know you got all that straightened out, here's what I want you to do, even on a daily basis, I want you to look in, because you represent me. How many of y'all know that at least, Selma, once a day, do you think you mess up representing God? You do a better job representing yourself than God? Yeah. So at least once a day, we should be, God, show me, bring encouragement to me in the areas where I am representing you, but bring conviction to me in the areas where I'm not. Because my whole goal in life, the only reason he left us here, how many of y'all think it'd been pretty cool if he just took you to heaven? Right when you got saved? How many of y'all like, that'd be awesome. But how many of y'all got led to the Lord by someone that he saved prior to you? Yeah. So you probably wouldn't have heard the gospel if he took that person. So that's why he's left us behind. And man, God, I want to represent you. And I know how bad of a job I do in that. And I've been watching y'all too. I know what a bad job y'all are doing also. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm being facetious, but you know. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us, don't we? We need the Holy Spirit. That's, man, it's just it's on a moment-by-moment basis. We walk in the Spirit. You cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. And walking in the Spirit is simply, what do you want me to do now, God? And doing it. Not, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Or, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. No, it's, what do you want me to do? And we do it. Austin, that's what you do when you're at college all week long before you come on the weekend to see Sophie. It's like, God, what do you want me to do now? And you do it. What do you want me to do now? And, do it. and by the way, that's exactly what you do when you are with Sophie, right, Terry? God, what do you want me to do now? <laughs> and do it. <laughs> and that's it. I'm just saying. Look in, so we look into judge ourselves so no one else has to. Was that good enough? Was that a good enough weekly scare on him? All right, good. We got this little contract going, man. Just keep you in line, brother. All right. You big college boy. No, I'm just messing with you. <clears throat> so look at this. This is how we judge ourselves. Look at what he says. So anyone 
Who's anyone? Raise your hand if you're an anyone. Just make sure you're alive. All right, good. You guys got it, Kurt. You're not anybody. You didn't raise your hand. All right. So anyone <coughs> who eats this bread and drinks this cup in unworthily, in unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So here's what he's meaning by that. It's like, oh, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. I can't do this. No, he's telling every one of you who are believers, do this. You need to come to him. You need to look back to what he's done for you. You need to look forward to being with him. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you who you really are and what needs to be improved, what needs to be fixed. Let him encourage you where you're doing right and convict you where you're doing wrong. You have to do this. That's not an option. And what he means by unworthily is like, Ooh, I don't want to, you know, Holy Spirit's talking and you're hearing Charlie Brown's teacher, la, 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 I don't, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. Or you just basically go through the motions and do it, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to get some juice, get some bread, I'm just going to act, I'll wait till they tell me, yeah, and, we do. and you don't do what he said to do with it. That's what he's talking about. Unworthily, it's talking about not examining yourself, not thinking back of what Christ has done for you, not looking forward to being with him, and not looking in to let him fix you and encourage you. So anyone who doesn't do it, doesn't take, everybody does it, but you got to take it seriously. Anyone who eats his bread and drinks his cup in her guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. In fact, what he's saying, Tim, is he's saying that, man, you're taking what Christ did on the cross flippantly. Like, oh, whatever. And no, it's the most serious thing that's ever happened in your life. Don't take it flippantly. When you come up here, man, be in meditate, be thinking about what God has done, thinking about the new covenant in the blood, thinking about him, what he did in his body for you to rescue you from the death sentence that you came to this world with. He said, take it serious. And look what he goes on to say. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So you could be thinking about you, not necessarily your neighbor, but thinking about you. Next slide, JJ. Or if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So when you do this and you do it the right way, you are bringing honor to God. I belong to him and I want to represent him better. That's bringing honor to him. He said, man, you, you eat it and drink it, the cup uh, without honoring the body of Christ. You're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. You're asking... Hey, parents, how many of you have ever tried to speak to your child in that low, sweet voice and say, oh, honey, it would be so awesome if you would do this, right? Ethan, would it not be wise to you if, you're not your mom, but anyway, if, oh, honey, it would be nice if you would do this. What is she really saying? What's your dad saying? Yeah, do it. <laughs> you should have a Nike thing on your forehead. <laughs> it means do it. Just do it, Right? But if you don't hear it, what happens next, maybe? You know, it's worded a little bit different. Now, I don't know about your household, but I remember mine. In my household, we'd be driving in a car, and it'd be like, Ashley and Emily and Matt, it'd be really awesome if y'all would just pay, just relax a little bit so, so that I can pay attention while I'm driving, right? You're driving with your kids, right? And it's like, hey, stop it! And if they don't listen, what's the third step as a Florida parent? You... Every, yeah, you take your flip-flop off. That's why you buy exercise flip-flops. So you go whack, whack, whack. And then you can pay attention to the road because your wife's now screaming. Oh, don't you hate it when they scream every time you go off the side of the road? Oh, it just makes me nervous. But 
<laughs> but again, that's what God's kind of saying here is that, hey, I'm giving you a chance, y'all. At the Lord's Supper, I'm giving you a chance. You guys get alone with me and, and, and let me speak to your heart. And if you don't do that, I'm just going to speak a little louder because you are my child. You do represent me. And, and, and I'm going to speak a little more. I'm going to speak in a way that you're going to understand if you keep trying to blow me off. You keep trying to circumvent what I'm telling you. You keep trying to change the subject. You keep trying to whatever you're doing other than obedience to what I'm telling you, I'm going to speak louder and louder and louder. And how many of you have ever gotten so good that you had a calloused conscience and you couldn't hear from God about something? Hopefully never. But God says, I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to keep speaking. Because I want you to hear it's that important that you get this straight and you become like me. So if you eat and drink this cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. God's going to have to go down. He's going to have to bring discipline. JJ, next slide, please. For if you, uh, that is why many of you, look what he says, are weak and sick. It's, he's talking to the Corinthian church. Some of y'all are weak and sick and you've even died. <laughs> Can God take, a, take a, a believer home if they're misrepresenting him? Yeah, I'm not threatening you. I'm just reading scripture. I'm just saying, man, that's, that's God's privilege in this. We're not allowed to do that with our kids, and, but I'm just saying, I don't know, death do us part with our spouses. No, that's still not right. No, but, no, but I'm just saying in this, that's what he's saying. Many of you are weak. You're sick because I've been trying to get your attention on something. When you're weak and sick and you're dying and you're a believer, who do you tend to listen to? I finally got your attention, Right? And he's saying that's what's happening here. But if we would examine ourselves, we wouldn't be judged by God in this way. In other words, you have a chance to be judged by God right now as you take the elements and you think about back of what he's done for you. Do you look forward to being with him and ask him to judge you internally? And he'll do it nice and quietly in your seat right there. That's what his intention is. He didn't want to put you in the hospital. And I'm not saying if you go in the hospital, that's why it is or anything like that. But I'm just saying that's what the intention is here. Good, JJ. So we look. Which way do we look? We're almost done. We got three. We got one more. And it's only part of a verse. We're going to look what? Back to what Christ did for us. We're going to look to being with him. We're going to now look to make sure that we represent him the way he wants us to represent him, because that's what he's left us to do. But now it's all for the purpose of us looking where? Around. Because if we love God, he causes us to love others. Look at this. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined. <laughs> Is it fun? Hey, Jules, do you like being disciplined by your parents? Oh, please, give me another. No, do you, do you like being disciplined? No, but you know they love you, and... That's a part of it. What, you just made a face like you don't know they love you when they discipline you? That's like, oh, yeah, that's going to hurt me more than hurt you. Yeah, right. You'll understand that one day. But, but, but literally, it's no fun being disciplined. But somebody, it's better to be disciplined in, in, than to not be disciplined. In fact, you show more love by disciplining than you do by not disciplining. I mean, to let you go off and be a wild banshee and be like your dad when he was little. I mean, what, hap what would happen if his mom would not have disciplined him? You wouldn't even exist. 
Because they would have never hooked up and they would have never had these babies right here. I'm just saying, if his mom didn't discipline him, she loved him too much to leave him the way he was. And believe it or not, your mom's mom was the same way. (laughs) But your parents love you. That's why they discipline you. And that's why God disciplines us. So he says, yet when we're judged by the Lord, he's going to discipline us. Discipline, check this out. Best uh, uh, illustration I've ever heard. It's like guardrails on a bridge. How many of y'all went over the bridge? You went over a bridge to get here, right? Anybody went? Terry, you went over a bridge? All right. Did you hit a guardrail? No, dude. In fact, they did me a favor. They even made a bike lane with barricades, so I had to go through two things to hit a guardrail today. Normally, I don't have to go through that much, but anyways, but there, there it is. Can you imagine, Terry, you're driving on the bridge, and all of a sudden, as you get up the bridge, all of a sudden, the guardrails fall away, and there's no guardrails. How would you feel? A little freaked out. I'm expecting that Chris would accelerate to get over the bridge. You would probably stop and slow, go slow and be like, oh, but, but so there's no guardrails, but you have freedom. Is that what everybody in the world wants is freedom to do whatever we want, right? Freedom. Dude, you have no guardrails holding you back. In fact, dude, tell me, would it not be awesome for you adrenaline junkies to take a car off the side of the bridge? How many of y'all think in the air it would be awesome? No, listen to me. In the air, in the air, while you're in the air, would that not be awesome? When's it not going to be awesome? When you land. And that's exactly what happens when we don't want guardrails, when we don't have discipline. We are a disciple of Christ. He gives us discipline. He puts guardrails up on a bridge for us because our propensity, we, oh, I want to be free. I should do whatever I want to do. Well, yeah, dude, we're flying off the bridge going, yoo-hoo, right, Ben? Dude, when you're in the air, it's awesome. In the middle of doing the wrong thing, it's awesome. But when we hit and hit the consequences, it's like, oh, God, save me, said. (laughs) I tried to. (laughs) All right, let's do this again. Let's do it again. That's what we have in discipline. you got to view discipline as that. It's God putting up barriers. So that, how many of y'all ever hit a guardrail on accident? Anybody? Tiny? On accident. Anybody? You hit a guardrail on accident? I've kind of hit one a little bit on the accident with my wife's car. She didn't know that yet, but no, I'm just messing with you. Um, but let, seriously, if you, if, you hit a guardrail on, if you hit a guardrail and just barely clip it, what, what, happen, what happens to you, bro? What happens when, when you hit a guardrail? And just imagine. Yeah, what's your immediate thought when you hear, whoa, I did something wrong. I better pay more attention. Hey, this text will wait, <laughs> and you put it back down, right? You, it, 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 it didn't kill you, did it? We're not at that, that stage yet in life, but it, it, it just, it just kind of said, whoa, wait a minute, I better pay attention, and we get back on. That's what God's discipline is, if we listen when we hear it. That's why he says we do the Lord's Supper so we can look back to what he's done for us. We look forward to being with him. We look in and say, God, put some guard, show me the guardrails. God, help me out with this so I can represent you. And the reason is so we can look around because look what he says. He says, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. If we're not being condemned, then what's the world being Yeah, I'll say this and we will end and we'll have the Lord's Supper, but we learned in Romans in the very first part of chapter 6 that everybody came into the world born into Adam. 
Adam sinned. God told Adam, you sinned, dude. The consequences is death. You're going to die. All right? And so Adam sinned. God could have legally took Adam out. And if he took Adam out and killed him, then what could we say about you, Terry? If he'd have killed Adam, would you even be here? No, you wouldn't be here. None of us would be here. But he said, since Adam sinned, he's going to now pass sin on to everybody. If you were born a dog, you would bark, but you were not born a dog. You were born a sinner under Adam. So what, if being born a sinner, what do you do? You sin. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. You were born under Adam, and you inherited things from Adam, and you inherited the desire and ability to sin, and sin brings death, and that's ultimately eternal separation from God forever and ever. You're born into the family of Adam, every one of you, even little babies who die. You're born into the family of Adam. You can't do anything about that. But what you can do is you can get out of that family. <laughs> you don't have to stay in that family. When you, God gives you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him, you can become born again, and now you're born into Christ's family. And Adam's family is dead. So the point is, we went over that, and we preached on that for hours. How many of y'all remember listening for hours or just waking up intermittently and hearing beats and pieces, Right? <laughs> y'all think think i know dude that's why y'all got me trained i gotta say so much so some of you get it because you all sleep at different times i'm just saying if y'all just stayed awake for about 20 30 minutes we'd have it but i just saying how human there but anyways you're born into adam's family and you get born again into christ's family the old man is dead you have a new man living in flesh. That's why we crucify the flesh. He already crucified the old man. We'll learn more about that. But it's the, the flesh we got to crucify by choosing him. But we know that the new man's going to heaven. We know that he's coming back for us. We know we're the bride. But every time we see somebody who's in the Adams family, go ahead and do it. It's in your head. Da -dun, da -dun, da -dun. <laughs> or is that the monsters, right? The Adams family. Every time we see someone in the Adams family, we've got to realize what's happening. Guys, you don't have to stay there. You can come to Christ and be in our family. And this is what happens in there. That's why our life's not about us anymore. It's all about Christ and representing the world who he is. So he tells us, last time I'm going to say this, last time I'm going to say this. No, just which way are we going to look? We're getting ready to get, you're getting ready, dude. Here's a little pathway, man. Minute, I'm going to pray. Y'all are going to come up here. Band's going to noodle on some stuff, man. Y'all know you were going to do that, right? Yeah, come up and grab you. But I want you to be thinking, and I want you to be thinking about these four things. Maybe God will have you stick on one of them. Maybe you'll think about all four. Maybe you'll go home and be thinking about these all night. Maybe you'll wake up, but it's not bad for you. It's what he said we're supposed to do when he puts it on our heart. And we're supposed to look which way? Help me out, y'all. We're going to look. We're going to look. We're going to look. Which one would you rather skip? How many of y'all like to spend all your time on back and forward? But what's the one we really need to look in? Yeah. Because that will be the one that will cause us to really look out. We're going to look back. We're going to look forward. We're going to look in so we can look around. And that's what we're called to do is make disciples. So let's pray.
Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I have nothing else to offer but that name of Jesus and everything it stands for and what you gave me through Jesus. I have eternal life because I'm covered by his blood. Father, um, I pray that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know that they're covered by the blood of Christ, someone doesn't know they have a home in heaven because of Christ, Father, I pray you would give them a desire they can't refuse and surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. Now, Father, for those of us that know, that we know that we know that the moment Christ comes back, we're flying, man, and we're going to see Julie's hair. Father, we know that we're going to heaven if we die prior to that, and we're going to be there with you in all your glory. If we know that, and we know that our job right now is to make disciples, to show people who you are, teach others what you have taught us. Father, if we know that. Father, right now, I ask that your Holy Spirit would help each of us in our own way to be able to look back to what you've done for us. We would look forward to um, being with you and what all that means. And we would look in and be encouraged by the way we are following but be convicted in the ways where we could represent you better. And Father, I pray that you would present to us, put in our minds and in our hearts, people that we know who are in the Adams family. And we would pray for their soul. We would beg you for their soul. So Father, take this in an honorable way as we seek to honor you with this Lord's Supper. And um, use it for your kingdom in a mighty way to make us more like you and bring more into this family. And I pray for these things in 